interruptions. I almost started to be a wuss and chicken out and go, I'm not preaching on interruptions. Because, you know, interruptions come to all of us. Many times they're uh, unwelcome intruders when they come into our life. But God has a way of using interruptions in our life to get our attention, to cause us to draw closer to him. Dietrich Bonhoeffer, a great German theologian, he said this, We must be ready to allow ourselves to be interrupted by God. God will constantly be constantly crossing our paths and canceling our plans by sending us people with claims and petitions. We may pass them by preoccupied with our more important tasks. It is a strange fact that Christians and even ministers frequently consider their work so important and urgent that they will allow nothing to disturb them. They think that they are doing God a service in this, but actually they are disdaining God's crooked yet straight path. I don't know, I'm just thinking about interruptions come. And they don't tend to come, that's really hard to read, isn't it? I, 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 was it hard for y'all to read when you're looking at the last screen? No? Okay. I just looked at them, I couldn't can, can see the letters. Oh, yours looks so much better than mine does. Okay, sorry about that. I just wanted to make sure y'all could see the words on there. Well, interruptions, they, they come. They they, they break off right in the middle of stuff. I mean, life is just happening. Hey, you're on the way to work in Montgomery's finest. I know he was here earlier. I don't know if Jimmy's left yet. But you're on the way to work, and MPD wants to give you a morning salutation of greeting. <laughs> they want to give you a ticket. I mean, you don't, you don't welcome that. You, you go to the doctor, and the doctor says, I hate when they do this at my dermatologist. We don't like that. We want to bobsy that. And we will let you know when it comes in. <laughs> and, and, and they all go on because it's clinical and they do this every day, you know, dozens and dozens of times. But what do you do when you go home and you think about it? I might have something foreign in my body. There might be some cancer cells. And then you get the card in the mail or you get the phone call and they go, you're okay. Just kidding. Well, they don't just say just kidding. But then sometimes you get that news and you... And there's some dreaded disease or something's going on in your body. Or I just think about all the different interruptions that come, and they're nerve-wracking. But then you have that interruption, and you don't know a lot about it now because I've noticed in the 20 years I've pastored Christ Community, most people have gotten rid of their home phones. I still have one, but a lot of people don't. But we have one at home, and, and you, you're in the middle of a program, you're in the middle of a meal, and, and you get this call. And if you're not paying attention, to call her ID, and you run to the phone, you break your neck, you get there, and it's a marketer. And how many of you want to share the gospel with them right then? I don't. And I have this thing that I do, so if you're a marketer, please let me apologize to you in Jesus. I simply go, I don't need any, thank you for calling, and it's all in one motion. And, put it, and Donna looks at me and goes, oh, you shouldn't be doing that. I said, I was very polite when I gave the phone away. Ah, don't want that interruption. And you can take all your own interruptions. You know, your dog's eating the side of your house. I mean, I, I don't know, just whatever. Interruptions, interruptions. But God uses these to get our attention. Do you remember if you're old enough, there used to be this news commentator. His name was Walter Cronkite. And I still remember when he broke in, I was just a little kid, he goes, there's been a report from Dallas that President John F. Kennedy was killed today. Some of you remember that. You remember some of our space programs and when the Challenger, when it exploded. Maybe you were in school, you remember that. 
Probably the most vivid one, though, that you will all probably remember was 9-11 when that plane collided into the World Trade Center. Do you remember that? Life was interrupted. No, let me say it this way. Airline industry was interrupted for all time. It just was. I mean, we had to, you know, change how we do things because of our safety and security. But interruptions get our attention. There's a a Roman priest writer that I read in seminary that I tend to read. He's kind of deep. He's really good. His name's Henry Nowen. He wrote a book that I remember writing, having to write a paper on it. It was called The Wounded Healer. But in one of his writings, and not in that particular writing, he talks about this. He says this. It's right there in your worship guide. My whole life I have been complaining that my work was constantly interrupted until I discovered that my interruptions were my work. I love that guy. He nailed it. I'm a pastor. I'm your pastor. What a joy to serve you. And I'll be in the study and I'll be working on something. And somebody goes, I hate to interrupt you. And your first thought is, then why are you? <laughs> but you don't say that. And you see, when you have ADDDDDDDDD, like I have, and you're so focused on the text and you're getting it all in and somebody interrupts you, you don't just simply go back to the task. Does anybody know what I'm talking about? So that's why the sermons are lame some weekends. And, and <laughs> nobody will call me now. And so interruption. But then when you really realize that interruptions are God's work, so many times interruptions come, but it's the time to share and to express the grace of Christ to another because they're hurting, they're broken, they need something. This afternoon, you're probably going to get interrupted. Or this next week, you'll go back to this message and go, man, interruptions, they, they come. And yet I, I realize in my calling and even in your calling, I realize interruptions are God's work. Because you could have the opposite. Nobody ever interrupts you. Nothing much is happening. So interruptions are, can be blessings and in disguise, that the Lord wants to do something in my life and yours. And, and Henry Nowen goes on to say, in the interruptions, you can write this down, this is free. In the interruptions, I can find the presence of God. That's a good thing. Lord, in the midst of this, you broke in. And you showed yourself strong. I've got about eight or nine situations in Scripture that I found that I want to talk to you about. Turn over to Luke chapter 5. Will you do that with me? Luke 5, verses 17 through 26. I'm not going to read the section, but I'm going to tell you the story. And then you can read it on your own this afternoon or later. But I can imagine the, the hustle and the bustle of this community and commotion. People on the streets running from house to house and so much going on. And then some people yelling, clear the way, move out of the way, coming through, make room. There's a stretcher, and there's a man, and he's in need of grace. He, he needs some help. He needs Jesus. And here's these Pharisees and these Sadducees and these lawyers, and man, they're like, man, we can't be bothered by this Jesus. Here he is again. Why don't we want these people to receive mercy and to find God? But it boggles my mind in this story, this paralytic his friends get the attention of Jesus, and, and they carry him, and, and they go up to his place, and they can't get him in. Man, there's, there's crowds. They're, they're unbelievable. I remember when I preached in uh, Hasifi, Brazil, 
coolest place I've ever preached in my life because it was the fullest house I've ever seen, and people were hanging in the window on every word. You, you just don't know as a preacher what that does for you. <laughs> okay, you don't think it's funny. I thought it was awesome. The place is packed. This, there's no air conditioning. Sweat is perspiring off everybody along with me. Thank you, Jesus. And people are looking in the windows. And I looked outside, and there were more people, hundreds and hundreds of people outside that could not get into the church. We're talking crowd. We're talking commotion. That's what happens here. And Jesus is teaching, and the people can't get in. But they've got a paralytic friend. And they knew they had to get him to the one that could heal. You know what they did? They walked up the steps. And in those days, you had maybe stone houses, and you had flat roofs, and you had straw and mud thatch roof. And can you imagine Jesus, the Messiah, he's teaching and he's teaching good. Matter of fact, I don't think Jesus ever taught bad. But anyway, he was teaching. As, as my brother said, he was preaching. And he was teaching these guys. And all of a sudden, mud, straw, stuff starts falling through the ceiling. I think that would disrupt the meeting. How about you? And then a hole appears and they, they lower the paralytic down to Jesus. And that's some friends that wanted to get their friend to Jesus. I think about us. It's a great story, but I think, how bad do we want to get our friends to Christ? That we'll do anything to move him and get him there. And Jesus saw the faith. It doesn't say of, these, of this paralytic. He says he saw the faith of these men, of these friends. And they were begging Jesus to do something. And today we're going to do whatever it takes to get them in front of Jesus. And they did. And and the power of the Lord was present that day. And I think the power of the Lord's here for us to heal and to strengthen. And the interruption in a meeting. So let's move to another one. Look at the first blank here. Interruptions can either make us or break us. Interruptions, they, they do. They, they make you. They shape you. They conform you to the image of Christ. Or they mess you up and they give you a bad attitude and they break you and Life's interruptions just, uh, they don't, life didn't go as we planned. A second story, and I won't get into it in detail, but Joseph, Joseph had big plans. He had things that he wanted to accomplish, that he wanted to do, and, but he doesn't, he gets sold out by his brothers, but he doesn't, he chooses not to become bitter and resentful. He chooses to let God use him and not be disillusioned. He gets thrown away into a prison, and he doesn't get resentful and angry in there. And God raises him to the high place in the kingdom. It's amazing how God uses the interruption of the life of Joseph to become a great leader in the land and eventually even free his own brothers that had sold him out. I'm thinking, man, God, you interrupted that boy's life in a big way. Life's interruptions, they prepared him for greater service. If you write down Genesis 41, 41, and Pharaoh said to Joseph, see, I have set you over all the land of Egypt. An interruption on the surface. But you follow the story through and, and Joseph rules and he reigns and God does something great. Maybe in your life an interruption comes and it's a premature death of a loved one. It was my mom, my mom at the age of nine that was prematurely that the Lord called her and my grandfather home in a tragic car accident that I only was the only survivor. A divorce comes to your life or to your family and it interrupts your life. 
You're working at the company, and the company decides to downsize, or the company closes, and you lose your job. That's an interruption. Or maybe it's your child, and your child has an illness, and it interrupts your life. Maybe a disability comes to your family, and that disability robs you of the life that you once knew. I remember in the early years of our church, going to the hospital to see a family. I do that all the time. They'd had a newborn baby, and the baby was born and had Down syndrome. They didn't know how to quite deal with it, and this pastor didn't know how quite how to deal with it, but I knew God was good. It interrupted their life as they knew it because their other two kids, everything was fine and dandy and things were going great. And, and now we have a, a son that has some special needs. But i got to tell you, wish you could know that boy. You see, Jesus. That boy's brought more light and life and hope to his family and to the community. But an interruption. God's full of those. But I want you to look over you. I want to see how you're going to do this. You could look at Mark 5, 21 through 43, write it down. Or you could choose to go to Matthew 9, 18 through 26, write that down. Or you could go to Luke 8, 40 through 56, and you go, how in the world am I going to flip three places at once? I don't know, but I want to watch. It's the gospel account of the story of the synagogue leader, the ruler Jairus. We trace his journey in Scripture on the dock of Lake Capernaum where he runs to find Jesus who has been disembarked on the way to Jar's house because Jar's house there's a little girl he's got one girl she's 12 and she's sick and she needs the touch of Jesus and he's concerned he's he's the ruler for crying out loud and he knows that he wants to beg Jesus Jesus could you come and could you lay your hands on my daughter and she'll be well. And I bet he prayed, oh Jesus, please get there in time. Save my daughter. The crowd presses in all around Jesus. And as they're pressing all in around him, on the way, <laughs> on the way, pick it up in Mark 5, just look with me. In Mark 5, 25, a large crowd followed and pressed around him. And a woman was there who had been subject to bleeding for 12 years and she had suffered a great deal under the care of many doctors and had spent all she had yet instead of getting better she grew worse and when she heard about Jesus she came up behind him in the crowd and she touched his cloak because she thought if I just touch his clothes I'll be healed and immediately her bleeding stopped and she felt in her body that she was freed from her suffering and then once Jesus realized that the power had gone out from him he turned around the crowd and asked who touched my clothes? You see the people crowding against you, his disciples answered. And yet you can ask, who touched me? But Jesus kept looking around to see who had done it. And then the woman, knowing what had happened to her, came and fell at his feet and trembled with fear and told him the whole truth. And he said to her, daughter, your faith has healed you. Go in peace. Be freed from your suffering. But see, the story was Jairus daughter synagogue ruler big guy he needed jesus and on the journey jesus is interrupted and it delays him getting to his house to heal his daughter but this woman gets healed but i love where scripture says and jesus stops i want you to think about that word today 
Jesus stops. Interruption stopped Jesus. Do interruptions stop you and me? Sometimes they do. Sometimes we just get bullheaded and we go, I'm going to press my way through this and I'm not going to worry about this other sick situation. But you know what? You know what that story tells me? Jesus demonstrated. Woman, you matter to the Father. And I'm here for you. And I'm going to show some love to you. And yet you go on in the story and you see here as it goes on, he goes on to the house in verse 36, ignoring what they said, Jesus told the synagogue ruler, don't be afraid, just believe. I want you to write those words in this morning. Six words that will change your life. Six. What does it say? Let's read it together. Do not be afraid. Oh, come, come on, read it with me in faith. Do not be afraid, only believe. Those six words can change your life. Change his life, change her life, change my life, change your life possibly. Could change your life this morning. And yet, here it is. Situation is tough. And you read in one situation, move on down. And he did not let anyone follow him in except Peter, James, and John. There must have been some unbelief in the house because they're like, man, she's dead. Jesus, you didn't get here soon enough. She died. But look what it says. It's interesting. And when they came to the home of the synagogue ruler, Jesus saw a commotion with people crying and wailing loudly. Remember, they hired professional mourners in that day, like they didn't have enough crying already. And he went in and said to them, Why all this commotion and wailing? The child is not dead, but asleep. And look what the scripture says. But they laughed at him. I don't think it's good to laugh at Jesus. But they laughed at him. And after he put them all out, he took the child's father and the mother and the disciples that had faith, I'm adding that in there, who were with him and went in where the child was. And then he tells her, little girl, I say to you, get up. And immediately the girl stood up. And look what it says. And walked around. And she was 12 years old as this were completely, they were all astonished. Would you be astonished if I went over to your house this afternoon and your son or daughter had died and, and the elders and leaders showed up and, and, and we had some that didn't believe and you'd say, put them out of the room. And, and we went in and, and your child was healed and we came out and you're like, give her something to eat because she comes out and she's, I mean, what would y'all do? Man, social media would blow up. I mean, man, pastor came out a day, woman receives life, man, got a tuna sandwich when she finished. It was awesome. She went to Subway. Hey, have you ever noticed this? You always want to eat after a big breakthrough. <laughs> this just came to me. I had, I had knee surgery the spring before we started Christ Community. And you can't eat. And, and, and that's tough when you tell this boy you can't eat. I fast and do stuff, but couldn't eat. And I was like, man, I'm starving. I really wasn't starving, but I thought I was. And I had knee surgery. And as soon as they woke me up and I got out and I got in the car, hobbled out there, and Donna's being so sweet, and we're on the way, I'm like, baby, we got to stop and get something to eat. And we stopped and got a sub, or I think it was Blimpies or something. All I know is that was the best sandwich I'd had in a long time. I just wanted to eat. I just, I just wanted something. Oh, here, this miracle happens, and they want to eat. But do not be afraid. Only believe up close, personal. I love this. Jarus is a sign of the way that God works in the life of people. When they're at the bottom of their roller coaster, 
and they're not afraid and they believe, God breaks through. Do I have a candidate in here this morning? You're at the bottom. Things are not going your way. But God wants to interrupt and break in and do something supernatural for the glory of his son. That's what our God does. So these interruptions come and they go and other people have them. But I tell you all the time, the Christian life was never meant to live in isolation, to be alone. It was meant to be lived in community, in connection with other believers. Albert Schweitzer, the great theologian, missionary doctor, he was continually on a quest for purpose in his life. And he toured Europe and Great Britain, performing the works of Bach on magnificent organs and playing all through. He's just a, there, there's a, a, a book by him, uh, The Quest for the Historical Jesus, that talks about Albert Schweitzer. But what I know about Schweitzer was he was a man that was thirsty. His soul was hungry for God. And I think about us this morning as we talk about the simple subject, interruptions. How hungry are you for God? God breaks in. God interrupts you. You're on a path. You're going this way. Don't mess with me. This is the path. Boom! Everything gets interrupted. For me, my salvation experience was just like that. I was on a path going hard this way. God broke in, interrupted my life, my schedule, and changed me. It's awesome. I had no idea. I went off that Sunday back to college to my university. Long-haired, use your imagination, long-haired, curly-haired pagan. Jesus broke in my dorm room. That sounds good. Sound like Jesus is a thief. Jesus, Jesus broke in the dorm room, invaded my life, changed me. I went home a brand new person. I love that divine interruption. And that interruption has another good story. You fast forward that. That's January 1978. About November of 78, Eastdale Mall was just a few months old. <laughs> Dates us, doesn't it? There was this beautiful brown-eyed girl in the mall. And she ran into me, and she interrupted me. She said, I've heard about you. <laughs> now, I would made fun of this girl when we were in high school. I did, because I knew I didn't stand a chance with her. And she said, I've heard you become a Christian. I said, and let me tell you about Jesus. And for 30 minutes, I witnessed my faith to her. And she lit up, and I thought, man, it's a pretty brown-eyed girl. And then she made, I think, the biggest mistake of her life, but a great thing. She said, why don't you call me? And I've been calling her ever since. It's not my girlfriend, it's my wife, okay? Isn't it awesome? Interruption. I'm so grateful for that interruption. You're like, some of you are like, let's go to the mall, Blake. We're going to the mall when we leave here. There's hope in Jesus. Hey, if you want to know what's really funny, we were standing by a trash can when we got interrupted. I thought that was silly. I don't know. It says a lot about me. Maybe that's where I should. I don't know. Anyway, interruption. Jesus, he gets interrupted. He feels compassion for people. I read this quote. What would stir up frustration in some people would stir up the compassion in Jesus. What stirs up frustration you could create and stir the compassion of Christ in your life? Lord, look at, look at this next point. Interruptions remind us we're not in control. How many of you think you're large and tall and in control? Don't raise your hand because you're foolish. You are not. Nobody's in control. You're like, but I am in control. My mom says I'm in control. My dad, your dad and mom are wrong. 
I say I'm in control. You're big time dumb. You're not in control. God is sovereign. He rules. He reigns. He's overall. Traffic's heavier than usual. And you miss an appointment. Have you ever missed an appointment? And you think you're in control. I was doing a wedding a few months ago in April. I'm going to Birmingham. Left hours in advance. Don and I got stopped in Prattville because there had been a fatality up the road on the interstate. Yeah, easy for you to listen to this. But we were driving, and we got stuck, and we had to get uh, derailed. And eventually we got there. I got to the wedding. They were seating the mothers. Not a good time for the pastor to show up. I was freaking out. Interruption to my schedule. Traffic. I hear about it all the time. Unforeseen circumstances cause you to miss a deadline. Has that ever happened? Sure it does. Your kid comes down with a crud with the flu right before you go on vacation. Why does that happen? I'm not trying to prophesy over any of you. It just happens. I just read a post by my niece. I thought it was hilarious. She goes, We've been married 11 years, and nausea is everywhere. Throwing up here, my kids are throwing up, my husband's throwing up. She goes, I hope we have a better year next year for anniversary. I'm like, yeah, I hope, man. This sounded kind of nasty right now. Look at this quote by C.S. Lewis. Man, we always have to quote him. He's, he's so good. The truth is, of course, that what one calls interruptions are precisely one's real life. is a phantom of one's own imagination. There it is interruptions that's the real life that's the real stuff you you have a flat tire how many of you call ahead and say god i think next tuesday afternoon i'd like to have a flat tire i mean man i mean have you ever had a flat tire have you ever got sick at a good time i mean you know like people die they don't god doesn't call me and go would it be okay with you we're gonna have a funeral next week and we're gonna call them home I mean, man, it just crazy stuff happens at the most. One time, Dad and I were going on vacation. On vacation, Rachel's just a little bit girl. She's in the car seat, and we're talking. A hydroplane off the road. Vacation got interrupted. Pastor Keith had an attitude. I'll just go ahead and tell you. <laughs> your, your vacation getting interrupted, you're going to have an attitude, too. I wrote this down. Interruptions are not obstacles to our plan. They are opportunities for us to embrace God. You can see an interruption as an obstacle, or you can see it as an opportunity. Choose. God, this is an opportunity to magnify your name. God, this is an obstacle to me getting what I want. Make your choice. Interruptions. In the early years of our church, some of you will remember, most of you won't because you're new. And it hasn't happened in a long time. And I will never manipulate it. I'm just not going to do that. I had this message. Oh, I was going to preach hell, fire, and damnation. No, I wasn't. I was just going to preach. And the Holy Spirit came over me so thick and in this room. I couldn't preach. I looked at the worship leader. I'm trying to set Chris up just for the future so he could know it could happen. And I'm like, man, I can't preach. And that's hard. You're a preacher. you got your notes, and it's good. The outline's good. You're ready. People ready. And God told me, don't preach. I'm like, I don't think that's God. I think that's Satan. And I'm, I'm, I'm about to try to hear the shepherd's voice, you know, and I'm listening. I'm his sheep. And it's like, no. It was obvious. And I remember turning to the worship leader. Go, go. He's like, what's he doing? Directing. Like, go on. Go on. And we worshiped for an hour and a half. I didn't preach. Some of you are like, Glory to God. How do we have to pray to that for that not to happen? You like that, Chris? Yeah. You know, I pray one of those holy moments will just break out one day. 
And I'll just go, man, he is here. Touch his cloak. Touch him. He's near. I got up and spoke like three words that day. Probably one of the three most anointed words I've ever spoken. Because I was like, oh, what do you do? I, I never had that happen. I called out my Assembly of God Pentecostal swinging from chandelier friends. Hey, I'm United Methodist trained. I'm a community pastor. I'm not Pentecostal. I'm very expressive. I love the Holy Spirit. But this is what happened in my church. And I figured they had a manual on it. They took a seminary class. I said, what do you do? And they go, pastor, you've embraced the holy. It's never happened to us. I was like, gee, thanks. I'm finding me some new friends. So I'm just telling you, I, I thought about that. And interruption, it, it's easy for you to say that. When you're the pastor, you're the leader, and the Holy Spirit breaks in, I had a choice. And every once in a while, people go, you, you remember that? And they get so excited. You remember when you didn't preach? You remember how good that was? And, you know, you got to just check your ego at the door like, well, gee, you know, I, I study all week just so, yes. How, and they said, you remember how good Jesus is? I go, yeah, I'm on that train. He just broke in. So I just thought I'd share that with you. An inner between break into, break in upon the person not to be hindered. Abraham, he was another encounter. When he was 75 years old and God told him to leave his country at 100 years old, he became not just a father to a son named Isaac. He became the father to many nations. The 12 disciples that followed Jesus, they were all interrupted. And Jesus basically had a line, drop your net, follow me. Jesus loved to interrupt people. How about the little teenage girl, Mary? She's a little youth. She's chosen to give birth to the Messiah of the world. I'd say interruption. The early church, I'd say it had an interruption over and over and over. Peter one day, fishing, just doing his thing. Peter's a professional fisherman. Man, he's catching them. He's doing his deal. And Jesus just goes up to him and says, Hey, Pete, won't you follow me? And I'll make you fisher of men. And you know what the Bible says Pete did? He argued with Jesus. It didn't say that. It said he dropped his net and he followed Jesus. Peter got interrupted. I'm glad he did. So, thinking about when's Jesus interrupted you lately? And then I'll give you one in Mark 10, 46 through 52. Man, I'm fired up. I just want to preach. Bartimaeus. He interrupts Jesus, and he has this line that I've always loved. Son of David, have mercy on me. And Jesus stops because of the cry of Bartimaeus. So those interruptions, we interrupt Jesus. He interrupts us. And look at the third one. Interruptions are God's way of inviting us to see him all around us in the lives of others, in conversations, in serving those in need. They, it's just God's design. His interruptions are his invitation to experience more of life. So today, I'm just praying, God, could you just interrupt us? God, could you slow us down? The team, Chris is going to come on this, but why God slows us down sometimes? The psalmist, and you know the verse, it's Psalm 4610. Be still. Stop your ceasing, one translation, and know that I am God. And then God sometimes interrupts. Sometimes he interrupts, just interrupts because he knows he's not going to get your attention, so he's going to give you a major deal, and it'll get your attention. Or sometimes it's like, God, I just need to slow down. I just need to be still. I need to realize that you're God. I need to realize that. And so look at it this way. The next time a health challenge comes, a financial challenge comes, a relational challenge comes, 
it might be in that interruption, God's trying to speak something to you and me that's clear, that's from him, that he just wants us to experience more of his heart. This week, y'all are going to have interruptions. Me Mexico, y'all are going to have some interruptions on your building project. The project will be clean. It will be good. Uh, y'all have a great flight plan. You've got a great leader. Things are great. And, and, and Blake, I'm not trying to freak y'all out, but I promise you there will be some interruptions that will happen in there. It's just part of it's because y'all are teenagers. You know what I'm saying? Y'all just invite interruptions. And all the kids said, yeah, that's where we're going. But interruptions are, are from Jesus. Many times they're good. So I got a message question across the bottom. Circle it in your outline. Will you allow God to inter uh, interrupt your life? Would you ask God, God, would you interrupt me when I get too busy for you? God, would you just interrupt? God, I'm in a rut. I need interruption. Because I want to love you. I want to draw close to your heart. God, I want to encounter you. So I'm praying over this summer series that we do together. I pray we just get more of the Father's love. We realize how deep it is. And we encounter Christ. And we encounter and experience deeper community. And Christ just does something new. So that's just my word this morning to you about interruptions. There's several biblical accounts. I only covered a few. You could have found a lot more on your own. Let's pray together. Can we do that? Jesus, I love being in your house with your kids. And I love the Father's love that has called us personally to faith in your Son if we're willing to drop our nets, deny ourselves, as you say, pick up our cross and follow you. I pray today, Jesus, there would be deeper abandonment to follow you. I pray there would be somebody maybe new today would go, I want to place my faith and trust in Jesus Christ to save my soul. Lord, come and move in this place. Lord, I heard Chris singing this song when I was in my study this morning, and it overwhelmed my heart. God, use this man right now. Overwhelm our hearts. Please don't get up and move. Be astonished as Jairus was when his daughter got healed. Be astonished by the Father's love. 